The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello and welcome to the Bucket Plan On Demand. I have a really exciting episode for today. I am joined by attorney Harley Gordon. Harley is a nationally recognized authority on long-term care issues. He's been voted one of the 100 most influential people in long-term care by McKnight's Long-Term Care News also named one of the 10 most influential people in long-term care by Senior Market Advisor. He's authored a number of different books on the topic of long-term care, as well as helping consumers understand the devastating emotional and financial consequences of long-term care. Now, Harley came highly, highly recommended by one of our, my good friends and one of our great advisors at C2P, Dave Buckwald. Um, actually, I believe Harley, the story goes back to Dave was the main platform speaker at MDRT sharing his story with life insurance. And you were right after him as a main platform speaker at MDRT. And for those of you who don't know, I believe MDRT main platform is is probably the greatest stage to be on in the financial services industry. I mean, to make it there, you are a who's who in this industry. And uh, that's where you met Dave, right? Yeah, he told a story about, um, which you're familiar with, called 24 Hours, which I I, I strongly recommend anyone, uh, uh, everyone to, um, uh, to hook into. Uh, you can pick it up on YouTube. <clears throat> and he talked about, uh, as I'm sure you knew, that his largest client uh, during 9-11 was uh, Cantor Fitzgerald. And he talked about having, I think, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, Dave, about 33 or 34 clients uh, that were insured. And um, the average earning for each one of these people was around $500,000, trading bonds, obviously. And uh, they were all under 40. So there were 34 people. And he says to the audience, I delivered 29 checks. So the audience gasped and and this, he said, does anyone want to hazard a guess as to what happened to the other four or five? So no one answered. He said, they let their policies lapse. Well, that led me to really the subject today and that is the concept of risk and, and consequences. And he heard me speak and I, I, I spoke not to the risk in this case of needing care, but the serious consequences and um, to back that up, Dave, I'm sure you know what happened to life insurance sales on 9-12. Absolutely. Shot right, shot right through the roof for the simple reason that people started seeing people like themselves dying. So that's a pure consequence play. And that's really, I think, the subject uh, today. So, so, so thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I had the opportunity, actually, Dave Buckwald was like, watch this video of Harley and I talk about this concept of consequences when it comes to an extended care event. And 
I shared this with you because we just finished my uh, other podcast, the Complete Wealth Management podcast, which, which a lot of our advisors have the ability to use with their consumers. And I shared with you in that podcast, kind of like my mind was blown. I've seen a lot of speakers and subject matter experts over my 16 years in this business on long-term care, healthcare funding and retirement. And they all speak about the risks and the statistics but I've never heard anybody frame it in the way of speaking about the consequences. And it just hit home to me because you now know kind of my story of, you know, my dad becoming a caretaker for his wife. And I've started to see the consequences of kind of dementia impacting how they live their normal life. And I just thought, wow, we need to get this message in the hands of as many financial advisors as we possibly can, because we have the greatest opportunity to take, you know, information from experts like you and help so many of our clients think through what their plan actually would be. And so I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit. And, and you, the, the two things that I wanted to share is the presentation I heard you deliver with Dave Buckwald, and I know you do this with advisors around the country also, is um, the presentation title was Protecting Your Most Important Assets, Your Family and Your Portfolio. And then you also authored a book titled The Conversation, Helping Someone You Love Plan for an Extended Care Event. And so any of our uh, listeners, can they can buy that book on Amazon right now, right, Harley? It's it's not on Amazon. I need to talk to you about how to get it on Amazon. But um, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> pardon me, it's it's available through my office. But uh, thanks. For the, thanks for the plug. Yeah, we'll figure out a way to get it out for anyone who wants to buy it. Um, we'll We'll have some information in the podcast here. But I guess let's just start off by you know, talking about what you mean when you talk about an extended care event, and then let's follow up with the conversation. Now, number one, the conversation we as advisors need to be having with our clients and some of the conversations that happen amongst those family members themselves. So let me start by, by uh, suggesting everyone that I'm not licensed to sell any insurance product. My training has been as a lawyer. And I, I specialize in the field called Medicaid planning. And Medicaid, I think most of your viewers know, is a federal and state program that pays for people who have limited assets and income. So what are we talking about this for? Because as a Medicaid planner, my job was to talk to families who were in the midst of having an extended care event, long-term care event, and they wanted to try to protect their assets. So let me tell you who came to see me, and let me show you the connecting with your with your uh, visitors. First of all, the people who came to see me were not the parents. It wasn't the person who needed care. It was the children. And everyone started the conversation with the following observation. I just want you to know this has nothing to do with the money. Now, now watch my head, okay? Which means, of course, Dave, it had everything to do with the money. And some of them are upset at their parents for spending whose money? Their money. Average net worth of someone who came to see me, minimum six, seven hundred thousand dollars. I routinely saw people with a million, million and a half, two million dollars. So some of you listeners, some of you viewers might say, how can you live with yourself getting someone who can pay for care on a program that has other people pay for it? And I said, well, it's it's offensive and it's 
it's legal, by the way, but it's offensive and it's awful unless, of course, it's your mother. See, that perks people up. So let me tell you who came to see me, what they had to say. I would ask them if they know, did your mother and father or father or mother, whoever it might be, did they have a financial advisor? I would say 30, 25 to 30% said they did. If you know, Frank, did the advisor ever proactively discuss with your parents the subject of long-term care? Uh, maybe 5 10% said uh, uh, no. So the reason people came to see me to protect their money is for the simple reason that someone wasn't doing their job. I say it with all due respect, and that is financial advisors, high net worth brokers, anyone who has access to families who have done well in love and life and have created a fiduciary responsibility to help that family protect not just the assets, the portfolio, but the family itself. So I got to thinking, why isn't it that advisors and brokers don't have a proactive conversation? Well, the simple reason is they have no respect for the subject. They think long-term care is old people, dementia, uh, nursing homes, and, and they want nothing to do with it, and their clients are perfectly happy. What they don't understand that not discussing the subject, forget any products, but not discussing the subject of extended care, and I'll show you why I call it extended care in a minute, has serious if not irreversible consequences to the family and, and has a direct impact on their business model. So why do I call it extended care? When I talk to advisors, and I, I, I think you know I've done work for uh, uh, Gemworth, One America, Lincoln Financial, Mass Mutual, Nationwide, well, and not to interrupt, but just to give you a little more credit for our advisors. I mean, you founded the CLTC professional designation, right? The certifi certified in long-term care. I mean, yeah. one of the, the gold standards there. And so when I talk about bringing the subject up, I said, what happens? And I have it actually on, on, on a PowerPoint. What happens when you start a conversation with long-term care? Everyone in the room says, well, people think you're talking about old people, nursing homes, dementia, incontinence, and you're trying to sell them a product. So I say to them, as I'm going to say to you, that in the world of production, meaning you want to get people's attention to try and sell, sell them something, in this case, advice, not a product, but advice, you always want to frame a question which compels the client to say, what are you talking about? So when you use the word, the expression extended care, what's a client going to say? What do you mean? And that's really giving you permission to continue the conversation. So that's why I call it extended care. I love it. Now, when you talk about extended care, um, and I know a lot of our advisors probably know this, but can you just give kind of the high level overview of like, what are the two main types or, or, or areas that people go into extended care because of? Well, the, the need for extended care, long-term care is caused by what's referred to, David, as impairments. And I, I speak slowly and I'll, I'll put a lot of pauses in so people can absorb it. There are two impairments physical and cognitive. A physical impairment are medical events or medical conditions that can be managed with medication and therapy but cannot be cured by either. Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, stroke, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, psoriatic arthritis, arthritis, it doesn't matter. There are just a myriad of illnesses that can be managed with medication and treatment cannot be cured by either. The second impairment is cognitive, and a, and a cognitive impairment is a marked decline in one's intellect to the extent they can no longer 
interact with their environment or others. So briefly, what they share in common, and this is critical, is that a person becomes so incapacitated that they're no longer safe. Extended care is a safety issue. And when someone needs this type of care, his or her life doesn't end. A caregiver's life ends. And that's a nice segue, if you will, to how do you discuss this as a risk to an individual or as a consequence to others? And I think that's a nice segue for you. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's channel our inner Dave Buckwald here, as he would say, let's hear some great Harley Gordon golden nuggets that, that we can use. But as we transition to this conversation of consequences, I mean, kind of talk about that from, from a conversational perspective of how you use consequences to greatly differentiate from risk or from what we all hopefully think, which is, eh, I'm never going to need it. That's not going to happen to me, right? Kind of share some insight there. Sure. So traditionally, the long-term care insurance industry has been brought up using risk as a motivating factor. So you sit down with a potential client and you talk about the risk of needing care, backed by statistics, MetLife survey, Genworth survey, AARP, and you back it with the cost. So a nursing home back then would be $75,000 a year. Today, it's 125,000, in Massachusetts. And you basically use risk to frighten the person in, into, uh, uh, into making a decision to buy a product. So if you own long-term care insurance, you won't be a burden to your family. If you own long-term care insurance, you can protect your assets. If you own long-term long care insurance, you can get a good nursing home. Never, never worked. I'll tell you who it worked with, people who needed the product and people with the prior experience. Early on, this product was sold by leads and leads get you sick people. They get you people who need the product. So I, as an outsider, wondered, why doesn't it work with healthy people? For the simple reason is that, generally speaking, speaking, people, particularly men, do not respond to risk. Men have the innate ability to bifurcate, separate the risk of an awful thing happening from its consequences. What does that mean? If a person deeply believes, Dave, that they're not going to die during working years, in that person's mind, are there any consequences to others? No. Therefore, what do I need a product to cover it? So that's where I came up with the concept of understanding what motivates people to take action. And that leads to a discussion about consequences. Risk doesn't prevent people from driving drunk. Consequences do. It's part of human nature. So what I did is I changed the narrative from, from having a conversation about the risk and cost of care for the purpose of selling a product to describing the consequences, not to the person you're talking to, but to those that he or she have invited into their lives and said they take absolute responsibility for. Anything that threatens that family is something that he or she will listen to. And that's what we talk about. Not what will happen to him, but what happens to them. And that's a consequence discussion. Absolutely. And I feel like that kind of just, you know, reframed my own mindset of when I'm working with a client and implementing the bucket plan with them and talking about the later bucket and talking about cash flow and turning a mountain of assets into cash flow in and through retirement. Um, this conversation just fits in so nicely 
into our already existing approach of how we're working with clients. Yeah. So, so think about this. You've been in the business a while. You don't have to sell someone a product who needs it. They're sick, correct? That's why you have something called underwriting. You don't have to sell a person a product who's had a prior experience in the family. Here's the key. That person is not buying the risk of it happening to him. What they experienced firsthand is what happened to the family. And, and you tell me if I'm wrong. That's what motivated you because of what happened to your family. I'll bet you dolls to donuts that you still deeply believe in that primitive brain of yours. See? That nothing's going to happen. Hey, look at me. All right? But then what you saw, then you saw what happened to look at him, my father, and the consequence was so severe. And so that's the motivating factor. You still believe that you're never going to need care, but now you see it as a consequence discussion. And that's really what, what I've been able to do with the industry. And by the way, they thought I was crazy when I got in the industry. Absolutely. You know what they, thought? They, they thought it was a Medicaid planning, a lawyer trying to filch clients to, to, to get them on welfare. And, and the, the ones who doubted me are all out of the industry now because they never changed. They were using risk, cost of care. I, I used to call them, David, the charts of doom. They had these charts showing the chance of your house burning down, the chance of getting in a car accident, the chance of going to a nursing home. And of course, it was the, it was the, it was the chart of doom and the chance of going to a nursing home so, never sold the policy. So we ditched all that. And if you do it right, you're not going to believe this. You actually tell a client that they're not going to need care. Now, why would you do that? Because that's what he or she thinks, correct? So you're not in an argument and you turn it right over to, but if you did, let's take a look at what happens to others. Absolutely. And it's those consequences that got me even thinking about my own plan, right? Like to your point, um, my, my father is remarried and his wife is going through uh, dementia right now. And I'm seeing the consequences for him as a caretaker and for the family. And I know Harley, you know, you're in a second marriage as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But as I kind of think about my own three girls, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't want those same consequences on them. And here I am at 38 years old and I've purchased a policy. I've purchased a now. I hate the whole idea where if I pay in, I don't get anything at the end of the road. So I structured my policy with uh, John Hancock in particular, where I'll pay a premium in. It's for life insurance death benefit. I can access 2% per month for long-term care tax-free if I need it. But I'm doing it right now while I'm young and healthy and getting the plan in place early. And I think that you know, for any advisors that are working with younger clients, it's highlighting the consequences and maybe using you know, a story or, or hearing about a family member that they've, you know. All I had to do was mention your children. Yep. And by the way, my shoes are older than you are. <laughs> well, you're what, 45 years, 45 years in the business. You're just hitting your stride now. 74. I'm 74. 74. Um, uh, and, and by the way, it reminds me of a great line my father said when I asked him, why did, he, why did he stop going to army reunions? He said, everyone got old but me. Exactly. So exactly. what I'm sharing is uh, a lifetime of experience. And I saw your face light up when you talked about your girls. And I said to you, I, we shared this before, you know, when guys get married, they do something good with their miserable lives. <laughs> and every guy laughs because they did. They created something so wonderful. And, and remember, I said to you, did you marry up? And every decent guy says, look, look at me. Ready? 
Yeah. Right. So the minute you have that responsibility, it becomes absolute. And you start thinking about what happens to them if something happens to me, not what happens to me. And that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Absolutely. So the minute I can bring the, uh, the, the sets of consequences, which I'd be happy to go into with you, to their attention, they're compelled to make a decision. Are they so involved with their denial that they're going to ignore their family? Or do they finally say, I never thought of it like that. And that's the job of a financial advisor. You ready? The job of a financial advisor in the market that we're in is to offer advice. Let the client decide if that advice makes sense. Same thing here. My job is to offer the advice. Your job is to make a decision whether what I said to you compels you to take an action. Interesting, huh? It is, absolutely. So give us some examples of these consequences. You've been doing this for a long time. You've probably seen a lot of good and a lot of bad. Our advisors have been doing this for a long time. They've probably seen a lot of good and a lot of bad. But put it in terms of consequences and kind of you know share some stories around it. Sure. So uh, let me give you, um, as uh, Dave Buckwood says, some nuggets. Taking care of people who are chronically ill will make healthy caregivers chronically ill. Now, you're shaking your head because it's doing the same, it's doing exactly that to your father. Now, like most men, they won't ask for help. It's none of your business, I'll take care of it. Now, if it was your mother, you'd start to see your father fail and you say to yourself, that's unacceptable, which comes to another thought. Providing care doesn't bring children together. It tears them apart. Because a child is compelled when they see a parent start to fail or there's only one surviving parent, one of the children is compelled to step up and to make these decisions. I have uh, a person I'm very close with whose mother is 89 years old and she worries every single day of the week. It, it, it just, she can't go out, she can't do this, she can't do that. She's afraid her mother's going to fall. So let's take a look at what it does to children. Let's say there are five children. An extended care event compels the kids to live in a room with no windows and no doors, no egress. And there they argue and bicker about who's going to take care of her, where she's going to be taken care of, and who's going to pay for it. Now, I said there are four kids five kids, four in the room, one's outside the room. You know what he or she is saying? My mother can kiss my ass. <laughs> you don't, you haven't seen that happen? Yep. We're completely estranged from the family. Now, watch what happens. There are four kids. You think each one's doing 25%? You're off your antipsychotic medication. One will step up. Now, let's play out what happens to that child. My daughter, Lily, for example who married a great guy. She has three kids. She has a career. She has to put that career aside, her children aside, her relationship with her husband to take care of my former spouse who's, who's so chronically ill she's no longer safe. What does that do to her life? Now, what does it do to her relationship with her brother and sister who, who may not step up? That's where I made the statement. An, ex an extended care event doesn't bring families together. It tears them apart. Another thought, we can talk about it. An extended care event requires a wholesale reallocation of cash flow. That's something to get someone's attention because I'm sure you know, for most people, 
their cash flow in retirement is already pre-committed. Tell me if I'm wrong. For those who have found success, there are very few discretionary expenses. They're all essential. Look what happens when you have to divert income to pay to bring in care. My father had a 48-foot sport fisherman, Chris Kraft. He had a severe stroke. We thought about selling it. We asked him, you know what he said? I can sit on it. And that's where I learned that expenses are mandatory. So if there, if that cash flow is already committed, what happens when you have to reallocate it? So these are the types of things that I try and explain to financial advisors. Not a risk proposition, but a consequence proposition. And once you get that point across, and you're an advisor, you're not part of the community, you are the community, it compels the client to say, are you serious? And if you're serious about it as an advisor, they'll take your advice, which is the business you're in, right? Absolutely. Harley, do me a favor. How you opened that, you shared a comment that I just want you to repeat again because it's so powerful. You shared the comment about what happens to a caretaker. Yeah. So the the, the nature of extended care is frailty. Pause intentional. A person becomes so frail and so fragile that they're no longer safe. A child's life ends the first time their mother or father falls because that parent doesn't know when he or she is going to fall, which means they can't break the fall, which means they break something. Do you know what the fatality rate for a person who's broken the hip is? 80%. No. Wow. 80%. So your father, just hypothetically, your father fell taking care of your stepmother. You'd be, you'd be paralyzed. Oh my God. Was I right when I said your life ends? You have to completely reorientate your life to make sure your father is safe. I, I, I know something about mental illness. People who are mentally ill run the family. People who are chronically ill run their families, don't they? They do. Look what it's doing to your father's family. Look how you worry about not her. I'm sure you like her, so forth and so on, but him. Aren't you concerned that he'll fail? Because the responsibility is 24-7. So that's what I meant by that. Absolutely. So give us, you know, some kind of examples of what you've seen, you know, particularly take the case of a second marriage. I'm sure a lot of our advisors have clients that are in a second marriage, blended families. Um, you know, we know some of the, the challenges that brings from an estate planning perspective alone, whose money in it, is it? How is it utilized? Talk about, you know, what happens in an extended care event for a second family conversations that we need to be having with our clients. Well, you never have a better, a better opportunity as an advisor to have this conversation. So let me give you not a hypothetical, but a reality. I'm in a second marriage. My wife's name is Susan. She has four children. I have three. Now let's play out for a moment. What happens if I need care over an extended period of years? She has four children. By the way, do her kids like me? Yeah. You know what that is in second marriages? That's high praise. They like me for one reason 
and one reason only, I'm good to the mother. My opinion counts for nothing, capital N, nothing, nada. They're not interested. So now I need care. My wife, Susan, starts to fail taking care of me. I have dementia. What do you think her kids are thinking about their mother failing, taking care of someone, not their father? They're wondering, why don't my kids step in and take care of me? Here's another thought. What if I have limited assets and she has a lot of money and she's using not her money, but her kids' money, right or wrong? Her kids are thinking, why are we using our money to pay for this guy? Right. So it creates a legal expression called kaboomski. And it blows up in your face. And the two sets of kids are on each other's nerves. See, this is what happens when you don't think it out. Here's another thought. You've got a client who's divorced. His wife never remarried. Did you ever think of asking your client, tell me what happens to your children if your ex ever needs care? Ready for this? The guy says, it's none of their business. Do you know what we teach people to say? Tell me what choice they'll have. What? Tell me what choice they'll have. And then... What we teach the advisor is to play out those consequences so he begins to see that it's his children who pay this price, not him. Interesting, isn't it? Now, did I say this is going to happen to anyone? Absolutely not. Look at you. Look at me. But what happens to your three beautiful daughters? And by the way, you did something good with your life, didn't you? Huh? Absolutely. <laughs> You tuck these kids in. It's the best ever. I've got, I've got two girls and a boy. I think I told you before, I just came back from New York with my 42-year-old child, who, by the way, yesterday was just born. And she uh, says, I want, I want to do... I feel my about my six-year-old. I can't imagine about your 42-year-old. Yeah, well, one day, listen to me, everyone. One day, your kid's walking down the driveway. The next day, he's backing out of it. And by the way, the first day, my daughter, Emily, backed out of the driveway. She hit a tree on the other end of the driveway. She said, I didn't see that. And I said, it's been around for 300 years. You know, she said, don't blame me. She's, she, she might make a good lawyer. She's a good, argue, good at making yeah. arguments, huh? Yeah. And, and by the way, I'm sure you know it. Your, your life is secondary now. You're, you're, you're on another purpose, and that's to give these children a wonderful life. And that's my job. We have three, and my wife and I adopted and we have a 22-year-old, and um, uh, we're very, very proud of him. So that's the way it is, and that's the way it should be. That's what we see. That's why we frame the conversation about what happens to these people. Listen to this for an expression: people that you've invited into your life. You invited your wife into your life, didn't you? Yep. And vice versa. And now, with that, you undertook these responsibilities. Here's the here's the interesting thing, David. Men, decent men, love the responsibility. They love the responsibility. They love taking care of someone. They, they have such a powerful instinct to do so and to protect them. That's really what we focus on. What happens if that's compromised? That will get their attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's kind of change it to, you know, not a second marriage, but typical client, probably all of our advisors are working with. We have a, a married couple, first marriage. You know, they're, they're living the good life. They have you know, social security income of $40,000 $40, a year or so. They have another, you know, ten grand a year of retirement income. 
they they don't have a plan. I mean, what are the consequences to somebody like that? What's the age, if I might ask? Yeah, let's, uh, I don't know, let's say they're 65, 66, 67. Okay, so one of the things you want to to remind them of is just because the children leave the house doesn't mean they leave your life. And most parents will shake their head and say, yeah, I never thought of it like that. My daughter is living with her husband and two children. She hasn't left my life. So now you start to look at it this way. And I'll put it into a phrase if I could. I need to talk to you, David, about a subject that if left unattended to and ever occurred has the potential of causing serious, if not irreversible consequences to the people you've invited into your life and you said you take responsibility for. You immediately would say, well, what are you talking about? And that's extended care. What do you mean? And you explain what happens to your children. Here's a thought. I can't imagine you ever want your children involved if you ever needed care. And a decent parent says, no, it's none of their business. We teach advisors to say, tell me what choice they'll have. That will get their attention. And then you play out what happens to your spouse, how she becomes as chronically ill as you are, and you play out what happens to the children who may never speak to each other again. So that's the framework of how you open the conversation with the client. No risk, by the way, no statistics, no cost of care, not a mention about long-term care insurance. No, it's all about bringing a person back to why he or she got in the business of having a family in the first place. Absolutely. And I think when you put the different pieces of the puzzle together, I'm sure she'll listen to this or I hope she will. But, you know, one of our top advisors, Jeanette Bajalia, who really specializes in working with women in financial and retirement planning. I mean, she's seen firsthand how so many females become the caretaker for their husband. It does exactly what you mentioned earlier, Harley. It deteriorates them. And then they essentially pass away a widow at some point and they might not have the cash flow left to sustain the rest of their own retirement because it was spent caretaking for the husband. And what you had shared that became so impactful for me just from another, uh, again, golden nugget is we want our clients to become care supervisors, not caretakers, right? Even their children, we want their children to be care supervisors and not caretakers. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, but I want to mention something about uh, uh, Pajalia's uh, client. It is very difficult to talk to men, generally speaking, about this because men genetically, and I've backed this up with, with, um, with a lot of research, Men have the innate ability to separate the risk of an awful thing happening to the consequences of that thing. So if a man deeply believes he's not going to die during working years, in his mind, there are no consequences to any others. So risk doesn't work at any stage with a male. Women are profoundly different. Women genetically have the capacity to look at the risk of something happening with the consequences. A risk is a consequence. I gave an example of a, of a parent throwing a newborn, not a newborn, but a two-year-old child up in the air. To the father, this was the greatest thing ever. The kid's hysterical. The wife, hysterical for a different reason. Oh my God, you're going to kill my kid. By the way, it's not our kid. It's, your, it's my kid. You see, because women see a risk and a consequence as the same. So when, when, when advisor Pachalia talks to women, they're all on board. 
they hope it doesn't happen to their husband, but they see the consequences to who? To them and to the children if it does. And I'll bet you dolls to donuts, it's exactly what she shares with them. And what the parents said and what the advice, I'm sorry, what the client, the female client says, I'm afraid, but I can't get through to my who? My husband. Because he's been used to having someone talk to him about risk and cost of care. We have to change the terms of the conversation from a risk-based to consequence-based, from product-based to planning-based. See? Interesting. It is, absolutely. I mean, I have a, a client literally coming in tonight, an existing wealth management client, where we've been talking about this for years and years and years, and finally they're ready to start executing a strategy. And you know, we're, we're utilizing um, two John Hancock policies, 20 grand a year in each one for the the husband and the wife. And I know that's product, but, you know, even going through this conversation of what we've had, Harley, I, I know my conversation tonight with him and her, because they'll both be together, is going to all be around the consequences of what happens, right? They have the money, like they have the money, they they have a good amount of, of assets built up. But just because they have the money doesn't mean they have the cash flow or the liquidity because that money's invested or it's in things like retirement accounts. And if they well, they they do have enough as long as you're trying to sell them a product. See, a person's always willing to cover the cost of care because they don't think it's going to happen. The minute this person's diagnosed with, say, mild dementia, before he calls his wife, he calls you looking for a long-term care insurance policy. Now, why? Why were they willing to self-insure it? Because the advisor was talking to him or her about risk and cost of care. Now, why do you think the advisor did that? Well, the client thinks it was to sell a product. So if they're going to buy a product, it's not to protect him. It's to fund a plan that this that you're going to help this, this advisor draft. And that plan is simple. Keep your client at home, keep them safe, and mitigate the two sets of consequences mitigate the emotional and physical stress of providing care by having professional caretakers, therefore shifting the responsibility from providing care to supervising it, and, and protecting the portfolio by having a product that will fund that plan. And that's exactly what you're going to do. And even though he still now believes it won't happen, he sees what would happen to his wife and children and portfolio if it did. So it's not a, it's not a risk, it's an if. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess any other kind of insight, I mean, you've, you've been doing this for a long time. You've coached so many advisors on this. Um, as we go to land the plane here, any kind of last thoughts or observations that you think our advisors would find valuable as they're having this conversation with their clients? Well, first and foremost, the advisor has to believe that the subject is important enough to spend time on. There are two types of transactions, reactive and proactive. A reactive transaction is with the client, David, brings the subject up, either because he or she needs the product, they're sick, or they've had a prior experience. But what we teach advisors is to consider that an extended care event has a direct impact on your business model. What are you talking about? Well, if their business is to take assets entrusted to them and have them grow in a fiduciary manner so they're available to generate predictable streams of income in the future, an extended care event undermines that because it requires a reallocation of cash flow. Now, so the first job I have is to have an advisor leave a meeting saying, you know something, 
this subject is worth my attention. So I'm going to have a proactive conversation, which means integrating it into every portfolio review. Once they do that, the next step is to give them the tools to engage in a conversation that allows the advisor to control the conversation, not be pummeled by, by objections and excuses, but to control. Third, to teach them how to create a plan. And finally, how to think differently about a policy from one that pays for his care to one that funds a plan to protect the family. So that's a four-step approach, but it really starts with uh, giving an advisor compelling reasons to talk about this proactively without being uh, uh, without being encouraged by a client. By the way, the people you want to talk to, 50, 55-year-old people who've never had a prior experience and are perfectly healthy. Do you know what's going to happen if they buy into this concept? They'll be underwritten for the simple reason that they're healthy. If someone wants a product, first question you ask is why? And by the way, if the client says, uh, you know, that's a decline. <laughs> yeah. That's a decline. Uh, you know, what do you mean? You know, things, what? Well, you know, you you get old, I get old. Just tell me, are you sick? Well, um, uh, yeah. You mean clients lie about their health when they want when they want coverage? Come on. That's something called, that's something called underwriting. That's right. So anyway, I hope I, I hope that concept, and that's what we teach them, and that's what I work with with David to to show David Buckwell Atlas, as you know, Atlas Financial, that that uh, he has to believe the subject is important enough to proactively talk about it, not wait for the client to bring it up to them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love the first four steps because I think the biggest mistake I see advisors make is they actually start the first step with product. And that's the absolute wrong move. Exactly right. The client in the first two minutes believes he's trying to be sold something. It starts, it starts like this. Tell me if I'm wrong. Hey, Dave, I got to talk to you about uh, people are aging. And you know what happens when you age, don't you? Look at me when I talk to you. You know, you get the thing. What? The thing. What's that? What's, what do you mean the thing? Uh, sick, the nursing homes, the, the constant. What are, you, what are you trying to do? Now, I just want to tell you what's a, because it's, you know, you lose your asses paying for care. Right away, they're turned off. They think it's a product sale. But let me let me give you an opening statement, which I just I did a little bit, but it's so powerful. So the advisor says, so, Tom, I need to talk to you about a subject that, if not attended to and ever happened, has the potential of causing series of not irreversible consequences to the people you've invited into your life and you said you take responsibility and the portfolio. Which the client says, what do you mean? And you're off and running. What, yeah. if the client, what if the client says, you're just trying to sell me a product? You know what you say to them? The product may or may not be appropriate. What's appropriate right now, Tom, is for you to sit down and listen to me. And by the way, some clients have to be beat up, right or wrong. Absolutely. it's uh... and, and your client doesn't mind being beat up. Hey, Dave, I got to get out. The, the, the market's down. It's going down. I got to, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, get, I sell everything. And so what you want to say, what are you talking about? I'm going to hang up on you. How, well, don't hang up on me. Just sell everything. I'm not liquidating. You want to turn a paper loss into an actualized life? What? And you explain to them. And then you hang up on them, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Then I have to resend them another copy of the bucket plan. Book. Right. right. <laughs> you got it. You know, um, uh, that was just being... God. I, I just have a quick story, if you don't mind. I had yeah. a... Uh, I had... A, this is a great story. A PNC agent guy named Marvin Kaplan. I've known him for like 40 years. I call him up. I said, hey, uh, Geico's having a sale of insurance. 
He said, good, go with them. Hangs up on me. So I call him back. What'd you hang up with me for? Go with them. Make, he said, I have the number. What? I've got the phone number. Yeah. 1-800-MAKE-THEIR-LIFE-MISERABLE. That's what he says to me, okay? <laughs> and, and so he hangs up on me again. So I call up and he said, what are you doing? He said, you think, you're gonna, you think they're going to be cheaper than who we're working with? They have come on sales. They have this. They have that by the time. Look, so you know what I said to him? Do you think I should stay? He said, of course. Now, who did I listen to? See that? See the yeah. power an advisor has? And so it's the same thing in this business. But that great story hung up on me. That's fantastic. I love it. By the way, remember that. Remember, all your advisors, remember that number the next time the client uh, wants to bust your jobs. 1-800-MAKE-THEIR-LIFE-MISERABLE. Our compliance department is cringing on the thought of me hanging up on one of our clients right now. But uh, <laughs> I love the story. I absolutely love the story. So for everybody on, on the, the podcast today, um, Harley, one of the things that you do offer is you will come do a, a, an event for an advisor. I know Jason Smith four or five years ago, he hired you to do one at JL Smith. I know they had a lot of success with it. Um, the one thing I remember Jason, you know, sharing this with me for the, whatever it's been now, 15 years I've known him is, listen, even if somebody doesn't need long-term care insurance, everybody needs a long-term care plan, right? Yeah because yeah. it's these consequences that at least they need to think through. And if you help them think through these consequences, they could make a decision on whether they wanna buy insurance or not, but at least you've helped them navigate all of this. And so- uh, I used to, um, uh, I did a lot of work for Genworth, One America, Mass Mutual, Lincoln Financial, and they would hire me to give speeches to the firm's advisors. That's exactly what I did. And it was very valuable to them because I wasn't licensed. You see, I didn't have an ax to grind. I used to tell the carriers who, who retained me that I'm, I, I want to feel free to not talk about your products. And to their credit, they said, fine. You know what they said? We just want to expand the pie. So go make, you know, go deliver your message about planning. So yes, I do do that. I do consumer conferences. Um, uh, you're all familiar with Ameriprise when I was teaching the CLTC course between the first and second day, I would have a consumer seminar. So all the advisors would bring their clients to a, to a dinner. You know what happened to production? I'm guessing it didn't go down. Yeah, no, they were very pleased with it. Plus they got an idea to see how to talk to the client. Absolutely. I've been very, uh, I've been very blessed. Um, I didn't tell you this before, but uh, uh, I had a GPA at Newton High School of uh, 2.3. That's a D minus. And by the way, you know how hard it is to keep a D minus over four years? I mean, you're teetering right on that edge there. You did just enough. So uh, let me leave you with this. Past performance is not indicative of future results. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harley, we're going to be looking at doing more stuff at C2P Enterprises with you. This has been incredibly valuable for any of the advisors. Once you've implemented all of Harley's stuff, the conversation the consequences, creating that value for the client. The last step is the product. And I'd encourage everyone to reach out to Kayla Mackey on our team. He heads up our insurance marketing organization. He can help you backfill the right products for your clients. But none of that is relevant until you've done exactly what Harley shared with us today. So Harley, thank you so much for jumping on the bucket plan on demand today. Thanks very much, David. Good to see you. Good to see you too.
The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com.